Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In this year on Parshas Kisisa, I do not intend to talk about the content of the Cheta Egel, of the sin of the golden calf. I'm not going to discuss whether it was literally a sin of idolatry or maybe some lesser form of idolatry. I'm not going to attempt to define that. I am also not going to deal with the famous question of how it could be that just days after hearing a Kodesh Baruch Hu say, Lo you shall not have other gods before me. How could it be that just a small number of days later, the Kala Yisrael engaged in idolatry or something related to idolatry? That's an excellent question. I'm not going to deal with it in this shear. Rather, I'm going to deal with some of the punishments and some of the tikkunim, some of the rectifications that were performed in order to cleanse the people of this sin. And we read in Perak Lamed Base, Pasik Chof. Vayikach esa'egel asher osu. Moshe Rabbeinu took the eagle that the people had made, vayisreif ba'esh, and he burnt it in fire. So he burnt the eagle, vayitchan ad asher dok. And he ground it, he grinded it, until it was duck, until it was just a very fine powder, by Yizer al and then he spread it on the face of the water. It does not specify which water, perhaps we'll talk about that a little bit, but he spread it on the face of the water, by Yashk es B'nei Yisrael, and he gave it as a drink to the B'nei Yisrael. He gave everyone a drink of this water mixed with the dust of the Egel Hazahov. Rashi says here, Vayashkes B'nei Yisrael, why did he give them this drink? Niskaven levoidkan kesaitais. He intended to check them like a saita. Saita, of course, is a, in summary, and I'm going to summarize this very briefly, leaving out many important details, but saita is a, uh, an institution that is, uh, that is uh, discussed in Parshas Nasai. A Saita is a woman whose husband suspects her of having some sort of inappropriate relationship with a particular man. The husband warns her. That's the, the uh, Torah refers to that as kinoi, but he warns her in front of witnesses, do not allow yourself to be in seclusion with that particular man. Don't be in a room alone with that man. The woman ignores the warning and she is witnessed being, she is witnessed in a room alone with that man. We don't know if they did anything inappropriate. Maybe they were drinking tea. But the husband's, the husband is of course very suspicious now. And the wife, to a certain extent, uh, has brought uh, certain consequences upon herself. I mean, to an extent, to a large extent, it's her fault now because she was told not to be 
in seclusion with that man, and she she uh, she didn't pay attention to that. So the Rashi here says, "Oh, let's continue now." Now the the Saita is brought to the base of Mikdash, and they take some water from the kior from the sink from the water basin that was used for the primarily for the kahanim to wash their hands and feet. They would take some water; it's just regular water, and they would uh, write a Megillah, which had parts of the Parsha of Saita written on it, including HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. And they would dip that Megillah in the water and the name of Hashem would be erased, which is a very amazing thing that we would erase Hashem's name. And then they would give the woman this water to drink. And the Torah says that if she is guilty of said uh, immorality, that she was accused of, she will begin to swell and ultimately will die from this swelling. If she is innocent, then nothing will happen to her. And in fact, and then she can go back to her husband and we'll see in fact, uh, in certain ways, her life will become better than it was before. Now, Rashi says that here, Maishu Rabbeinu wanted to inspect the people the way that a Saita is inspected. How is a Saita inspected? By giving her the water to drink, this is a supernatural inspection of whether she has committed adultery or not. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to inspect the people regarding their participation in the Cheta Egel. So Rashi says here, There were three forms of death that were judged there, meaning at this time, in consequence of the Cheta Egel. Aden Vahasra'ah, if there were witnesses and warning, if there were witnesses and, and two, the two witnesses warned a particular person, don't bow down to that eagle, that's a Vedazara. So then, Bisayef, that person was killed by the sword. We know that the Bene Levi uh, put on their swords and they went about killing those who deserved to be killed in that fashion. Kemishpat Irhani Dachas, Rashi says this is similar to the law of the Iranidachas is a city in which the majority of its residents have been uh, coaxed and persuaded into serving idolatry. Shehain Merubin, that they are very many, they are the majority. Doesn't mean they are the majority here, but it means similar to that Iranidachas, where the law is that the people are killed by the sword. Edim Voloi Now, if a person served the eagle, and there were witnesses to what he did or what she did. But there was no warning. So such a person would be killed by a plague that a Kodesh Baruch sent, some sort of an illness. Rashi says, he quotes a Pasuk from a little bit later in the Parsha, that Hashem brought a plague upon the people. Rashi continues, if there were no witnesses and there was no warning, uh, the person uh, committed idolatry, but uh, nobody saw it. So how are we supposed to know? Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows. So Behidroikon, that person would die from Hidroikon. Hidroikon in English is called dropsy. It's translated into English as dropsy or edema, which means a swelling. Uh, but here it's a, such a severe swelling that the person would actually die. Shabodkum hamayim, the water would inspect such a person, but in their stomachs would 
swell to the point that they would bust and they would die. And that is like a saita. So the Moshe Rabbeinu here is giving them this water, similar to the way a saita is given water. And this would clarify who had served uh, the, 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 the eagle, but without any witnesses. So we, we don't know, so we have to find out how. We have to find out who did this. And the water would inspect them. The water would reveal who had served the eagle. If someone had served the eagle, that person would swell and would die. If someone had not served the eagle, then that person would be just fine. It's just a regular drink of water. The, pasik, the, the question I would like to raise on this Rashi is a question that I, a kind of question that I've asked many times. And the answer is really not very difficult, but I think this brings out some important points. This Pusik that we're looking at only mentions the idea of Sota. It only mentions the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu gave them a certain kind of water to drink. And, and which Rashi interprets to be, it was similar to the giving of water to a site. That's all that's mentioned in this Pusik. And yet Rashi here tells us, Shalash Misa Sham. There were three different types, types of Misa. The first one, it comes from later in the Parsha, Psukim Chavzayin Vechavches, that those who had served the with Adam and Hasra were killed by the sword that the Bnei Levi went and killed them with swords. And the second kind of Misa was for those who did Avedah Zorah, who served the eagle with witnesses, but not with warning. And they were killed in a plague, as it says later in our Parsha, Pasek Lamed Hay. And this Pasek, now finally Rashi comes around to this Pasek, that if there were no Adim and no Hasra'ah, if there were no witnesses and there was no warning, so then the person would be killed by a swelling, which would be caused by the drinking of these waters. We know a general principle that I've stated many, many times is that Rashi likes to concentrate on one Pusik at a time. He does not like to give you sort of uh, previews of things coming up later. He concentrates on one verse at a time. And when Rashi sometimes starts uh, citing psukim from later in the Torah, you have, to, you have to take note of that and you have to wonder, why does he do that? But Rashi here presumably could have just said that Vayashkes B'nai Yisrael, he gave the waters to B'nai Yisrael. And Rashi could have commented that the purpose of that is, was to check them the same way that the waters check a saita. Why does Rashi have to go on and say, well, and then, and then there were other people who were killed by the sword. And there were other people who were killed in a plague. Well, that's not Rashi's style to tell you about other things that aren't in this Pusik. He could have waited for those later Pesukim. Well, I think the, the answer is that, in fact, it is not so obvious that Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, watering of the people this that he gave them water, it is not so obvious that, that, that the purpose of it was to check them like a saita. Ranban, for example, mentions over here that why did he give them this water that was mixed with the, the dust and the ashes of the, of the eagle? Ranban says, He wanted to disparage their actions. 
So he ground up their, their god, their false god. And he made it go into their bellies. He made them drink it. So little bits of the Egel Azov should go into their, into their stomachs. So that they should later expel it in their excrement. That's, that's a way of showing a person that this God that you served is absolutely worthless. Uh, your God ended up in the toilet. That's how the Ramban explains it. He later uh, mentions that, uh, with that what Rashi, he later says that he really agrees with Rashi uh, and that what Rashi says is a Gemara in the Sechta of Zorah. But he begins explaining al Chapshat that the purpose of giving them the waters was to disparage the, the false idol that they served. Chizkuni here says, Lefiapshat, according to the simple meaning of the Pasuk, he actually did not intend to give them the water. Rather, what he intended to do was to take the, the, um, the gold of the, of, the, of the eagle, of the calf, and to destroy it, to get it out, get it out, get it, just completely remove it. So what did he do? He burnt it until it, there was nothing left but some some powder, some ashes, and then he threw it in the in the nearest river. So they says, When later they drank from the water that was into which it was scattered, so it looked as if they were drinking it. So Chiskuni says, He's not. This is not a. This is not a. a, a type of idea that is foreign to Rashi. Rashi also is very interested in the pshat. Chizkuni says that uh, he didn't really give them the water to drink at all. They ended up drinking it. But the real point of grinding it down until it was a powder and scattering it on the water was simply to destroy it and get it out of the way. So it is not obvious from the Pasek that the reason Maishu Rabbeinu did this is in order to check them like a site, in order to inspect them. And therefore, it could be that Rashi, who does hold like that, Rashi begins his comment by saying, He intended to check them like Saitas. Rashi establishes that's the shot. That's why Maishu Rabbeinu is doing that here. Now, he wants to be Mechazek that. He wants to strengthen that. And how does he strengthen that? He quotes a Gemara. This Gemara is in Sechta Yoimadav Samet Rav Ahmed Beis. This all this yellow type over here is a Gemara in Sechta Yoima, and Rashi is quoting it. I think in order to in order to uh, support his position about what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing. Because you see from the Gemara that there were several different punishments that were administered to the Bnei Yisrael, depending on their level of involvement and the level of evidence of their involvement. Some people got sai if they were killed by the sword. Some people were killed by a plague. And some people were killed by swelling from drinking the water. So we see here that Chazal understood that this drinking of the water was one of the many forms of punishment that was administered to those who served the eagle. Not like 
the Chizkuni, the Moshe Rabbeinu, was simply trying to get rid of the, the eagle and, and remove it from their sight, and not like Ranban, that, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to teach them some kind of a lesson about the disgusting and worthlessness of the eagle, but rather this is a punishment just like there were other punishments, this was another one of the punishments. Okay, that's a little technical point. Very common that Rashi will begin a comment with just a word or two or three, which establish his point, and then he will bring you examples from later in the Torah or from a piece of Gemara or Midrash, which may not uh, entirely um, uh, concern themselves with what's happening in this Pasuk, but they prove his point about the Pasuk, and therefore he gets involved in such things. Uh, the rest of this year, I would like to discuss this point itself, that these waters checked and uh, inspected the people as if they were a Saita. How far does this uh, metaphor, does this comparison to Sota, how far does it go? Rashi, certainly in an open sense, only mentions one point, that the water checked them like a Saita. But I think if, if, we, if we look into it, we will see that really in many, many different respects, what happened with the Cheta Eagle and what happened in its aftermath is very, very similar to what happened to what happens to a woman who is suspected of being unfaithful to her husband. Of course, the most general comparison is that you see from this Rashi, you see it from other Rashis and other other Meforshim and other places in Midrashim and Gemaras, is that the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael is like the relationship between a husband and a wife. It's a close and loving relationship. That's, that's an understatement. That, that's just starting to describe that relationship. But you certainly see that's what it is. And that's an amazing thing. And therefore, we can un understand what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is doing to Klai Yisrael by thinking about how a, what a husband would do to his wife if he suspected that she was unfaithful. And we, Klai Yisrael, when, when we, or at least some of us, served the eagle, that was equivalent to a woman being unfaithful to her husband. Now, the beginning of the Saita process is called Kinoi, a warning. The husband warns his wife, don't do it. Don't be secluded in a room alone with that particular man. I, I, don't like, uh, I don't like what I'm seeing lately between you and him. You talk too much, you laugh too much together, whatever it is. Well, where was the warning regarding the Cheta Eagle? Quite simply, Kaddish Baruch Hu came down on Har Sinai, on Vav Sivan, and he said, Lo Elohim You shall not have other gods before me. Now, the second step in the Saita process is called stira, from the word seser, to be in secret, to be in seclusion. If the woman disobeys her husband's warning, and she is witness to be in seclusion with that man. So then the process continues. Where did that happen here? Perhaps, and this is only a perhaps, perhaps we can say that B'nai Yisrael were secluded with the Avedizara, with the eagle, 
in the sense that they had some involvement with the with the eagle, but at least for the most part, did not actually serve it, did not actually commit acts of avodah zarah. Many mafoshim say that uh, that nobody except perhaps the Erev Rav, but but none of the Jews really did the full sin of avodah zarah. So perhaps that's similar to the woman who was improperly secluded with this man, and she may not have actually done anything wrong except the seclusion in se- itself. So here too, Klal Yisrael was warned about Avodah Zarah, but they were misyached with the Avodah Zarah. They, they came close to the Avodah Zarah. They had some involvement with it. So that might be similar to the woman being in seclusion with the man. Of course, the, 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 the highlight of the Saita process is, is that she's given a certain water to drink. And of course, that we have right here, according to Rashi, that the water that Moshe Rabbeinu gave the people served the same function as the water that, that is given to a Saita. Now, in the Torah, it says that before they give the woman the water, they put into it some offer. It says they should take some, some dirt, that that is bekarka hamishkan that is in the ground underneath the mishkan, and they should put it into the water. The the Mishnayas say that in the Beis Hamikdash there was actually a one floor tile that was kept loose, and it had a little ring, it had a little handle on top, and the kohen would go and lift up the tile and shovel up a little bit of dirt, and that was put into the water. So where do you have this here? So there is a safer on, uh, I'm quoting here the safer Torah Chaim on Masechta, I believe it's on the, on the first uh, Gemara that I mentioned, uh, not on Masechta Yuma, but on Masechta, very sorry, in Masechta, oh well. I'm not thinking of it right now, but there is a sefer called Torah Chaim. It is commentaries on Gemara, a very old sefer, first published in the year 1624, and the author's name was Rabbi Avram Chaim Shor. Very famous sefer. The sefer, oh here it's Masechta of Edezorah, Daf Mem Dalet, Amid The sefer Torah Chaim tells us that if you look, where did that come from? And I'm just, all right. <laughs> I don't know how things move around. He tells us that if you look in Parshas Ekev, in Parshas Ekev, Moshe Rabbeinu recounts the story of the eagle. Part of his Musar talk, part of his... Uh, Part of his rebuke to Klal Yisrael that he delivers is that he goes over the Cheta Eagle. And he says, you'll notice over there that it's, it, it recounts that Moshe Rabbeinu destroyed the Eagle and he ground it, he grinded it, until it was fine, like, like dirt. And he says, he, and then I threw the offer, I threw that dirt, though, that, that powder that I made from the eagle, I threw it into the river. You see there that it's called offer. 
And so, says the Sefer Teres Chaim, that's the, just like the Saita had her water mixed with Afar, Moshe Rabbeinu mixed Afar, the Afar of the, of the, of the eagle, he mixed it into the water that he gave the, the people. Another aspect of the Sota process is that it says in the Pasuk, Ufarah es Roisha Isha. The Kayan would come and he would uncover the woman's hair. That in fact is, is in the Gemara is used as the source for why a woman is supposed to cover her hair because we see that over there by the Saita, we want to, we want to disparage her. We want to really embarrass her. We uncover her hair. So you see that the, the proper way for a woman to go is with her hair covered. But that's, that's not the subject here. But there's something called a farah hisraisha isha. He will uncover the woman's hair. Where do you see this regarding the chait ego? So I think you see it later in Pasik Chafhei. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu comes, at, come down, comes down from the mountain and he, he sees uh, that they've made an Egel HaZahav. Of course, he's very upset. And he has a little talk with Aaron. He says, well, what in the world happened over here? And Aaron says, uh, Aaron explains a little bit. And Moshe Rabbeinu, here it says, Moshe And Moshe saw the people, Ki because they are Farua. Rashi says, Megula. They are revealed. Their, their sin has been revealed. Ki because Aaron had revealed them, Lashimsa Bekamehem. He had revealed them for disgrace in the eyes of their enemies. Let's take a look at this Rashi. Farua means Megula, uncovered, revealed. Their shame and their disgrace has been revealed. Kamo, similar to the Pasik, Ufara Esraisha Isha, similar to the Pasik regarding the Saita, where it says the Kayan comes and he uncovers Ufara, he uncovers her head, he uncovers her hair. So just like the Saita is uncovered, that's part of the process. So here too, Klal Yisrael was uncovered. Another very important part of the Saita process is that the Koyen would write a Megillah. He would write some of the Psukim about Saita on a piece of parchment, and then he would dip it and erase it in the waters that she is ultimately going to drink. Where do you see such a thing here? By the eagle. So the, again, the Sefer Torah Chaim explains this. Wrong one. Uh, me. Shmois Lamed Base. I set everything up so carefully and things disappear. I'll just read this out loud. It says that when Claudius uh, was, uh, it, it says that. Um, Very sorry. Let's go over here again, where we had those psukim, where Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to Aaron. That was um, Lamed Beis Chafei. Okay, Lamed Beis 
Chafei, let's go back a little bit. Aaron was, was telling Moshe Rabbeinu what happened. He said, the people said to me, make for us a God, that will go in front of us. This man, Moshe Rabbeinu, who took us out of Mitzrayim, we don't know what happened to him because he didn't come back down from the mountain on time. I'm really reading the wrong psukim, but, but it'll, it'll suffice. And I said to them, I said, who has gold? Take off your gold and give it to me. And I threw it into the fire. And this eagle, this golden calf came out. Now the Pusik sounds like it didn't require any, any forming, any hammers, any pliers, any, any mold, nothing. He just put the gold into the fire and poof. The eagle came out. And so Rashi says that they had, they did it through a somewhat, uh, let's say, supernatural process. There was a tas, there was a golden plate, a golden flat piece of gold upon which was written certain names of a Kodesh Borahu. And Moshe Rabbeinu, in fact, had used that piece of gold when he was leaving Mitzrayim and he had to find the burial place of Yosef because he was going to take the bones of Yosef out of Mitzrayim and bring them back to Eretz Yisrael. And Moshe Rabbeinu used that special piece of gold with special names of a Kodesh Baruch Hu written on it in order to bring up Yosef Atzadik's body. Well, that same tas, that same little plate of gold was one of the pieces of gold that was thrown into the fire to make the to make the eagle. And because it has special names of a Kodesh Morahu, so it had certain supernatural qualities. And this is why the eagle just emerged from the forging pot with, with no forming, no, no work at all. So the Sefer Torah Chaim says, you see here that there was a name of a Kodesh Morahu that was in the eagle. And what did Moshe Rabbeinu did? What did Moshe Rabbeinu do? In the Pasuk that we are focusing on, he burnt the whole eagle, including that name that was there, those names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he put that into the water, and then he gave everybody the drink. Just like a Saita, that when she drinks the water, there is a name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is erased in that water. There is one final aspect of the, the Sota process which I'm not sure if it is reflected in the consequences of the eagle, but I think we can, we can find it. And that is as follows. What in the world happened here? I don't know. Let's go to, let's see, Perik We want Perik Hey, I believe. Yes, let's find the Pasa quickly. It says at the end of the whole Parsha, or near the end of the whole Parsha of Saito, after she has, she has taken a drink of the water, and the water has not had any effect on her, if that is the case. So let's see what it says. 
One moment, please. Okay. If the woman has not become defiled, meaning if she did not commit adultery, if she is innocent, and she is pure, so she will be cleansed from any, from the, from any, she will be cleansed from the effect of this water. It won't harm her. And she will have seed. Now what does that mean? She will be seeded with seed, literally. So Rashi says, not only will she be cleansed from the bad effects of the water, but if in the past she had given birth with pain, let's say with unusual amount of pain, so she will now, from now on, she will give birth with more room, so to speak easier. She will have easier births. Shechorim, if until now she had been giving birth to Shechorim, to very dark colored children, who apparently were not as not as highly prized, Yoledis Levonim. So now she would give birth to white, lighter skinned children. Um, I mentioned once in one of my other shirim, if you think this is racist, think again, think a little bit, and you'll see this has absolutely nothing to do with the racism as we as we understand the meaning of that word in in uh, in America it simply means that lighter skinned children were were considered to be perhaps healthier or more beautiful than darker skinned children so now she would be blessed with more beautiful and more healthy children now this is very interesting because here this woman who was accused of adultery with some some uh, some substance to the to the accusation, but she was found to be innocent. Not only does she go back to her husband, and she can now continue living with him as if nothing had happened, because in his heart he knows that that she really is innocent. I mean, who is testifying that she's innocent? God, because this is a this is a divine process that this plain water should cause. A woman to to be to die from swelling, and the, and she, his wife, did it. So it's like a Kodesh Baruch who was testifying that she didn't do anything wrong. So the husband is satisfied. She goes back and she lives with the husband. But not only does she go back to the status quo, not only does she go back to the way the things were, but she even now things become better from her, better for her. If she used to give birth with a great amount of pain. She now gives birth with much less pain. If she used to give birth to uh, children who were perhaps not considered so beautiful and so cute, she's now going to give birth to the most beautiful, cutest little babies. Very interesting that she she gets, she goes back to a status even better than where she started. Now, where do we see this in the story, in the narrative about the eagle? Perhaps we see it as follows. If we go to Perik Lamed Gimel. So this is, these are psukim that are following the Cheta Eagle and following the various punishments that were administered. I'm going to send before you an angel and that angel will destroy the nations of Canaan and will bring you into the land of Canaan. But I personally, so to speak, 
I cannot go with you. I can't allow my Shechina to be amongst you because I will not go up amongst you. I will not allow my Shechina to be actually in your midst. midst. Because you're a stiff-necked people. Lest I will destroy you along the way. Uh, I, I'm afraid that you're, you're somewhere along the way you're going to do something wrong and I, I'm going to have to destroy you. So therefore, don't sin against me. Just, you know, the worst could be you're going to be uh, misbehaving in the presence of the Malach. So that, that won't require you to be killed, perhaps. That's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu. The people were very unhappy. Moshe Rabbeinu was very unhappy about this. Let's continue. Okay. And Moshe Rabbeinu said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, this is, this is not what I bargained for. Look, you're saying to me, Hashem, bring this nation up to Eretz Yisrael. But you never told me that you're going to send an angel. You told me from the start that I, Hashem, am going to bring them out of Mitzrayim. And you're going to be their, their, their leader. You're going to take care of their, their day-to-day affairs as a, as a boss of Adam, as a human leader. But you never told me that you're not going to be with me. You told me you would be with me. So Meshur Rabbeinu is, is not happy about it either. And he's pleading with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, to retract. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu does retract. By Yemar, Hashem said, my face will go with you, meaning my shechina, my divine presence, will go with you. And I will guide you to Eretz Yisrael. And then Moshe Rabbeinu said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, With what will it therefore be known? How will it be made known? that I and my people have found favor in your eyes. It will only be if you go with us. And I and your nation will be we will be separated, we will be different. From all the nations that are on the face of the earth. So a simple reading of the Pasuk would be that Moshe Rabbeinu now is very happy and satisfied that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to go with them, because this is how it's going to be displayed, and this is how it will be known, that he and Klai Yisrael have found favor in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's eyes, that Hashem will, will go with them, and in this way, we will be different from all the other nations. No other nation has the Shechina walking in their midst. However, Rashi takes note of this phrase, V'neflinu ani ve'amcha, me and your people will be distinguished. And Rashi notes that this seems to be an extra superfluous phrase. It already said, how, how will it be known that we have found favor in your eyes? When you go with us. It could have stopped right there. Rashi says, Rashi says that here Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, and one more thing I'm asking, Hashem, I ask that you go with us. You, Baruch Hashem, thank you. You're going with us. I want to ask one more thing. I'd like to request one more thing. 
that your shechina should not rest upon any other people. Very strange that there's something missing from this version of Rashi, which is in every other version of Rashi that I've seen. Okay. Your shechina should not rest on any other people. And we will be uh, separated from all other nations in this way. The, the rest of Rashi, as it's printed in the, the, everywhere else I've ever seen, is that Rashi raises a question, what about Bilam? Bilam had a hashroa sashkina. Bilam had prophecy, and Bilam was not a Jew. And that happened later than this. So Rashi gives an answer that wasn't the a first-rate Navua what Bilam had, whatever Rashi answers. But the, but the point is, you see that Moshe um, Rabbeinu asked for something extra. Not only do I want you to come back amongst us, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed to that, but also I want you to promise there will be no Hashroa Sashchina on any other nation. Now, as I said, the simplicity is, is that Rashi wants to explain these extra words. But we still need to understand. That's how Rashi knew it. But where, where does Moshe Rabbeinu come off asking that things should be even better than they were before the Chet Egel? Before the Chet Egel, the Shechina was amongst us. The Shechina walked with us. Amud Hanan, Yamud Ha'esh, and HaKadosh Baruch was Mamash walking with us. And then we blew it. We served the eagle. And there were ter terrible punishments. And Moshe Rabbeinu pleaded with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, don't destroy the whole nation. And finally, a Kaddish Baruch Hu agreed. Didn't really take very long. That, that word finally is in, is in parentheses, in, 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 what do they call them, in quotations. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu agreed not to destroy the people. And then Moshe Rabbeinu said, you have to, and then Hashem said, okay, but I can't be amongst you. I can't actually have my Shekhinah amongst you. It's too dangerous. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, it's not fair. And that's not what I bargained for. So Kodesh Baruch said, okay, I'm going to put my Shekhinah amongst you. So it's going to go back just like it was at the beginning. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says, and one more thing, please. I'd like things to be even greater. I'd like things to be even better. Because originally, your Shekhinah rested on us. But it sometimes rested on other people. There were other people who had prophecies before Cheta Eagle. Other nations, people from other nations were prophets. I don't want that anymore. No prophets from any other nations. To the point that Rashi has to ask Akashi, what about Bilam? Where does Moshe Rabbeinu come off asking for something like this? Why does he think that things can be even greater than they were before? It should be enough that they just go back to the original very wonderful state. Perhaps this is the parallel to what it says about the Saita in Israel Zora. You see, by the Saita also, when she is uh, exonerated from the claim of adultery against her, not only does she go back to her husband and everything goes back nice the way it was before, they were a happy and loving couple. Not only that, but it gets better that her births become easier and she has nicer, healthier, more beautiful children is it could be that this is also part of the parallel between Cheta Egel and Saita. 
that here also Moshe Rabbeinu was asking, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not only do I want you to make things just like they were before, that's wonderful, thank you, but I want also Beniflinu Aniva Amcho. I want us to be absolutely separated from all the other nations, that we should have Hashroa Sashchina, and no other nation should have Hashroa Sashchina. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu granted him that also. And this is perhaps the final, uh, the final comparison between Cheta Egel and Saita.